Welcome to Rama for Today Radio. We need to realize this in the life of the believer. Mr. Kenyon said this, and I've said it many times before I ever read he said it. I've been saying it for many years, and I still believe it. And I, I believe we're in the beginnings of it right now. That uh, before Jesus comes, that there are going to be whole companies of believers who will live this simple life of faith, who will live it unconsciously, live it daily. They'll live in this upper realm where they will see the name of Jesus in its fullness. Praise God. Fullness of authority, fullness of power that was in Christ when he walked on the earth. You're listening to Rhema for Today with Ken and Lynette Hagan. Today we continue this series, The Name of Jesus, Volume 2 by Kenneth E. Hagan. Stay tuned as we listen to this powerful, timeless teaching. Right now, here's Kenneth E. Hagan's message. I remember a pastor gave me several years ago one of Mr. Kenyon's books, In His Presence, you know, the book on prayer. And uh, I read it, and I was already teaching along that line anyway, but, you know, it added a little more to what I already had. And then about a year later, I saw this pastor, and so he said to me, I happened to be in the office, and he had one of the books uh, in his presence, and his Bible lying open on the, ta- on the desk. Evidently, had been studying. And he said, last year I gave you one of these books, didn't I? I said, yeah. He said, how many times did you have to read that before you understood it? I said, once. <laughs> he said, this is the fourth time that I've read that book, and I haven't got what he's talking about yet. Well, I said, he talks my language. Amen. Thank God. A faith man will always talk your language. But that, dear fellow, is a friend of mine, bless his darn heart, but he doesn't understand faith at all. To him, it's all in your head. If he sees it, he believes it. If he feels it, he believes it. If the Bible says it, it ain't so because I don't feel it. Now, that's absolutely true. I know I've talked to him. He said so. But Leslie, he couldn't understand that book. He couldn't understand any other book on the subject of faith. Because faith's evidence of things not seen. The Bible said Hebrews 11.1. Romans. The Bible said concerning the faith of Abraham, the fourth chapter of Romans, 17th verse. It tells us that faith calleth those things which be not as though they were. No, you see, that dear fellow, and he's a wonderful man. I love him with all my heart. But you see, his faith is the Thomas kind of faith. Well, and I see it, you know, and I believe it. When I see the answer to my prayer, then I believe God heard and answered my prayer. But faith says, it's mine, I believe it now, bless God, without seeing it. And then, of course, it comes into being. Comes into manifestation. Well, anyway, naturally, if you, if you preach along a certain line, it has to be very similar. But anyway, uh, like I said, I said to him, well, he talks my language, praise God. I understood exactly what he's talking about. We need to realize this in the life of the believer. Mr. Kenyon said this, and I've said it, Many times before I ever read, he said it. I've been saying it for many years, and I still believe it. And I, I believe we're in the beginnings of it right now. That uh, before Jesus comes, that there are going to be whole companies of believers who will live this simple life of faith, who will live it unconsciously, live it daily. They'll live in this upper realm where they will see the name of Jesus in its fullness. Praise God. Fullness of authority, fullness of power 
that was in Christ when he walked on the earth. Now, we're in the babyhood stage. I've been saying that for years. Mr. Kenyon says that. We're, we're in the babyhood stage. And really, even in full gospel, charismatic, Pentecostal areas that should be more enlightened than others because they're filled with the Holy Ghost. In our church worship and in our setup, we're, we're just set up to keep people babies. Just to hold people in a babyhood state of development. Well, of course, we want to help people if they need to be helped. But at the same time, we need to be teaching people so they can grow. I was holding a meeting for a fellow in California on one occasion, and he had been pastor there for about 25, 30 years. Had a good church, all right. Hundreds of people. But he said to me, he said, now, Brother Hagin said, you may be a little, you know, and you're teaching all a little deep for us. And I'll admit, we're all babies. And, uh, you know, you'll just have to get back and feed us milk because we're just on milk. No, I said, you're not even on milk. <laughs> because... Peter said, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow. And if you had been feeding them milk, they'd been growing, and they'd grown out of that. But you, you didn't even feed them milk. A lot of people said, we're on milk. They're not even on milk. They're just on water. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Isn't that true? Absolutely the truth. I remember I was preaching there in California in one church, and then I went back for just a few services. I was going to preach a camp meeting, and... I went back for just a few services in this church the next year. And one of the ladies, one of the Sunday school teachers said, you know, Brother Hagin said, my little eight-year-old boy, she's a redhead lady and a boy is redhead, just like her, said, uh, you know, I thought he wasn't getting it. He, he came to every service day and night because I taught the daytime preaching night and so on. And, that boy, and it was a time of year when he's out of, he's out of school. See? And so he said, uh, he's sitting there, you know, sometimes uh, marking and coloring, you know, eight years old, had a little coloring book, you know, and said, uh, I was saying to my husband, see, because he couldn't make the day service, he worked, you see, and at the supper table, she was telling me the next year, I said, I said to my husband, I just don't understand something Brother Hagin's saying, I, I just don't understand that faith business, and she said, that little eight-year-old boy spoke up and said, Mama, here's what he said, and said, he just come right down the line, he got it all, <laughs> and it's too deep for her, though, you see, but the eight-year-old got it. And you'll find that's the majority of cases. Faith is normal and natural to a child because they just unconsciously exercise faith. They don't worry about the next meal. They don't stop praying and come in and say, Mama, I know that if I was to ask you for a piece of bread, you'd give it to me. They just automatically know that. They just automatically exercise an unconscious faith. No wonder Jesus said, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall no wise enter the kingdom of heaven. And we need to get to that place of just an unconscious faith in God, an unconscious faith in the Word. We just never doubt it. Praise God. But our problem is we're in a babyhood. We, we've kept our people in a babyhood state of development. One of the faults, there are many faults that I find with it, but one of the faults that I found with a lot of the teaching in recent years about discipleship and submission and all that was that it held people babies. They couldn't develop, they couldn't make decisions, they couldn't get leadings for themselves. Somebody else had to tell them. That's unscriptural, unbiblical, and really unintelligent. <laughs> it, it holds people in bondage, holds them in a babyhood state. You know, I pastored nearly 12 years. There's two or three things I'm proud of. In the right way, you'd be proud in the right way. I'm proud of Jesus, aren't you? 
I'm proud of the Word of God, aren't you? I'm proud of my wife, aren't you? Your wife or husband, vice versa. <laughs> Amen. Well, I, 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 there's, a, there's a thing or two over in this other realm I'm proud of. One thing that I'm proud of, and I, I said it the right way, was that in 12 years of pastoral work, we never did bury one church member. Never did have one funeral for a church member. Only had about five funerals in uh, 12 years, and they were for somebody else. I'm not a funeral preacher. You can understand that I have no experience there. Amen. Now, don't misunderstand me. People have to be buried. Don't misunderstand me. They're going, they're going to die if Jesus tarries his coming. But right on the other hand, we were able to get them healed or at least, at least keep them here. We've got practically all of them healed. There's two of them who failed to get healed, but at least we kept them here. Now, the, um, another thing I'm proud of is this, that in 12 years of pastoral work, I never did lose a church member. Not a member of my church ever went and joined somebody else's church or ever went to church somewhere. I'd encourage them to go visit. Oh, yeah. They'd say, Brother, can we go? I said, sure, go right ahead. And even I encouraged him to go some places that preaching things that I didn't believe in, that weren't even scriptural. Now, part of what to preach was so, but I just said to him, now you're intelligent and we've taught you, you go and eat the hay and leave the sticks and come on back over here. And, and some pastors, I feel so sorry, bless their darling heart. Some pastors are, are, are just jumping sideways almost. They're constantly, you know, all keyed up, afraid they're going to lose somebody, you know. And they're trying to pacify this little bunch, you know. And, and, and in that little bunch, you know, they got them sort of pacified about that time, another group rises up. And so, so they change, you see, to get over on this side. They're sort of like a, one of these lizards, you know, that changes, you know. It's... Remember, I was somewhere one time, you know, and I saw one, I was just walking around the backyard, and I saw on, on an old board fence, Went around this backyard, and here was a lizard, you see, and he's crawling up over some green shrub, and while he's on the shrub, he's just as green as, that, as those green leaves was. But then he began to crawl off of that green shrubbery, you see, onto this old two before. It never had been painted, you know, and through the years it's brown, dull, you know, kind of, you know, and he began to change until he got just as brown as that was. See, that helped him to hide. There's a lot of pastors that way. They'll just change with whatever, you know, that's going. There's a lot of people that way. See, if they're, if they're you and you're green, they're green. If you're blue, they're blue. If you're pink, well, they're pink. You're, they're pink. Or whatever, you see. And, and poor pastors, bless their heart, trying to satisfy people. Trying to placate people, you see, and get along with them, you know, just, just to jump in. No wonder they have nervous breakdowns. Every now and then, I'd make it special. Every now and then. I, on Sunday morning, would announce to my people, at least once every three months, sometime once a month, I'd announce to them. I want everybody to know that I love you. I want everybody to know this, every single one of you. If there's any other church that you can go to in this city or within driving distance that you can get to, and you can get more spiritual food there than you can here, you can win more souls to Jesus, you can grow faster and better spiritually, I insist you go because I've got your interest at heart. You get up and go, and you go with my blessing. Amen. I sincerely meant that. I meant it from the bottom of my heart because if I love them, I want their best. And if they can win more souls to Jesus and they can do better spiritually and grow and advance, then I insist they go. I'll shake their hand, hug their neck, and send them on their way. But I never lost a member. Not a one of mine. I think that's a pretty good record. Well, and I send them around to visit, see if they can find another place. 
a revival going over here, and I'd insist that they go. Sometimes we'd all go visit. I've seen some pastors just scared to death, you know, their folks to go visit some other church. Said, they told me, said, they might like it better over there than they do over here. Well, if they do, bless God, go. No, we're greedy and grasping. We've got to, we're selfish. If we could just rid Christians of selfishness, there'd be a divine explosion of power of God overnight almost. <laughs> How come me to get off on that? Well, here's where I did. It's because we're in a babyhood stage of spirituality. We're trying to have faith. We're trying to believe. We meet together in our services. Each one urging the other to do what he's not doing himself. Amen. You're listening to Rama for Today with Ken and Lynette Hagen. This month's special offer is the three-CD series by Ken Hagen, Don't Let Your Stress Become Distress. For $21, get this dynamic resource to start your new year off right. Call 1-888-FAITH-99. Don't delay. Call 1-888-FAITH-99. That's 1-888-FAITH-99. Or if you prefer, write Kenneth Hagen Ministries. Our address is P.O. Box 50126, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 74150. Don't forget, for faster service, order online at rhema.org. That's R-H-E-M-A dot O-R-G. Now, let's join Ken and Lynette Hagen. If you're in the Oklahoma City area, come on out on, on Sunday night at 6 p.m. Enjoy the weekend and come and enjoy Sunday morning on Sunday night, 8921 Northwest Expressway, Oklahoma City. Yes, and so join us on Sunday night at 6 o'clock there in Oklahoma City. Make plans to join us here in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, this February 17th through 22nd for Winter Bible Seminar 2013. Powerful teaching, dynamic worship, plus much more. Get all the details now online today at rhema.org. Tomorrow on Rama for Today, we continue with the teaching by Kenneth E. Hagan, The Name of Jesus. Thanks for listening to Rama for Today with Ken and Lynette Hagan.